0: I'm going to encourage you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of James, chapter 3. Um, but before we, uh, before we get there, uh, I'm going to share just a letter uh, with you guys um, from our church leadership as a whole about some uh, just some upcoming shifts and changes. Uh, one of our aims uh, that we shared with you a few weeks back... Um, if you got one of these blue cards and if you didn't talk to us, we would love to get you one that walks through some of our elder goals and prayer requests for this coming year. And one of those was a clear communication and expectations as we strive to empower those of you who are a part of the local church body. Uh, as Ephesians 4.12 would say, God gave pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, and that's our heart and our yearning. And uh, that includes uh, evaluating what we're doing and how we're doing it on a really regular basis and making needed adjustments as we look at what Scripture says and evaluate that. And so this uh, month, the month of March is going to be the last month that we live stream our Sunday mornings. We're still going to record messages each week and upload it post-Sunday because we understand when there is travel that takes place or illness that prevents people from coming. And so this isn't a removal of the opportunity to engage with God's Word when we're unable to be present. And in fact, there's many, many people... Uh, Actually, surprisingly, all around the world that engage with our sermon material uh, every week. Uh, a lot of that is not on Sunday. Rather, this is an intentional step towards a culture of visibility and authenticity. One of the regular tasks of our leadership is to evaluate the culture we live in, the culture of the local church in contrast to what Scripture actually says and make needed changes so we line up with God's Word. And in James chapter 1, verse 27, a few weeks ago, we talked about religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. As a whole, here's what we yearn for. We yearn as leaders... For our church family to be untethered from the world. In many senses, another phrase that I would use is we yearn for our local church body to be persecution proof. That is, in the face of whatever may come in the days ahead, we're ready to continue standing unashamedly for what Scripture says we should be and do. So expect to hear much more about this untethering vision in the days ahead. We've got several weeks assigned to share more about that. Now, some may ask, what are the biblical instructions we've considered in making this decision? Number one, the command to not forsake meeting together is important. In Hebrews 10, it says, let us hold fast the confession of hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. We we do that. But it goes on and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, understandably, there's people who read that verse and they say, well, it's not just talking about Sunday morning. And I would say you're right. And so let's think critically about what else scripture says should be happening when we get together, for that to be considered what the church is called to. Number one, our spiritual gifts are to be used to build up the body of Christ. Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 make it clear that God has given each follower of Christ spiritual giftedness for the purpose that the body itself might benefit. And so the reality sitting there is that when we aren't together, we don't share those gifts together secondly there's power in what takes place when we see one another the Lord's Supper is an example of that that when we get together and we take communion together we see the corporate testimony of brothers and sisters who affirm we believe in the power of Christ's death burial and resurrection and that is what brings us unity and hope Colossians 3 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. I want to share just a personal example that I feel will be helpful in understanding this. For five years, my family and I lived in Oregon State. And one of the most difficult memories of that season was waking up every holiday with our young kids and turning on FaceTime throughout the day so that we could get a small semblance of gathering with our family on those days. Anyone who has had to live this out, whether it be because of deployment, overseas work or travel, or even missionaries around the world, would tell you, praise God for the digital, but how I long to be with these people I love. As we strive to move towards authenticity in the family bond we've been given in Christ, we want to remove those things that are potential stumbling blocks to our growth together in Christ. We want to see the body of Christ move away from a mindset of passive consumption to one of active participation together. This is true not only in a digital sense, but is also in those who can show up every week just to check a box and leave. But family, there is opportunity for so much more. So we want to exhort each of you to think about how God has called you to minister to each other. That the church is not called to be about me, but it's called to be about us and a one another together together. We ask you to be transparent with your church family when it comes to needs. Um, we're really bad at this. I'm really bad at this. Because there's something in us that goes, someone else has a need that's greater than mine. But then we're really prone to get upset when my needs aren't met. And yet I haven't really been vulnerable transparent about those needs. And I'm I'm in that boat, okay? It's a lot easier for me to help someone than it is for, ask to, for me to ask for help. I understand. But when we share those burdens together, it grows us together. We invite you, thirdly, to join us in person for Holy Week as we anticipate celebrating the resurrection. And so Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, is going to be the first Sunday where we don't Stream our services live and we can't think of a better time to say let's gather and celebrate the life-giving hope that Jesus has brought us in the resurrection. Our prayer is that God would be glorified and the church would be built not according to our standards but rather in faithfulness to His commands with our eyes set on His promises. Okay. I share that with you and I, I, this is not a, I'm gonna share it and then leave and you don't get any opportunity to engage with us. And so I encourage you, um, if if there's something about this you wrestle with, come schedule a time to meet with myself or one of our leaders. We want to talk about this and engage with it, but we also want to share our heart. Um, and we didn't want to just send out a letter because letters, you really can't interpret tone. And I I, I want to communicate as best I can to everyone listening to this, like our yearning is uh, to do well in sharing the love that christ has given us and we have a lot of work to do we have a lot of work to do but this is a starting point for us to be intentional about caring for one another for us to be intentional about gathering with one another to celebrate the work of christ and stepping intentionally into the future saying let's bond together in such a way that the gates of hell will not prevail against it." amen okay let's pray and then we're going to jump into the book of James, okay? Father, we come to you, and um, I just ask for ongoing wisdom and guidance and direction at how to at how to shepherd well, Lord. I pray that for Lord, my brothers and partners in this shepherding task. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a church body that cares well for one another. Lord, we we have so much growing we need to do. And so help us, help us to root into those things that are true, not just to hear them as James said, but to do them, to live it out, to practically walk and live in obedience to who you've called us to be. God, that we would not be content With just consuming content, as we're so prone to to do. But that we would yearn for, Lord, life and health. Lord, that you would root us into these truths and now even open our eyes to what your word says. That we might glorify your name above all else. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. James chapter 3, we, we have been in the book of James, this is our eighth week, and just to review a little bit before we jump into, we're going to start in verse 13 today, to review a little bit, we have come from the beginning of James where it's clear that James is writing to who? Brothers and sisters, right? Brothers and sisters in Christ. He's writing to brothers and sisters, and he's exhorting them in many ways. We started and we heard, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. And we kind of sigh and go, this isn't what I want to hear, but I know I need to. We get reminder that uh, if we lack wisdom, we can ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. We're exhorted to not just be hearers of the word, but doers. Challenged not to show partiality. Understanding that God doesn't show partiality. The great challenge of recognizing the place that works have in our day-to-day walk of faith. Exemplifying an understanding of what God in Christ has done on our behalf. And now, the last time we talked about that untamable beast, the tongue, that gets us in trouble all too often. But his tone shifts a little here, coming off of this discussion about the impact of our words and how so often we become double minded where we can praise God over here and then the next step curse the one who's made in God's image. And it leaves us in this place going, what do I do? What do I do now? Where do I turn? Or really, more specifically, what does it look like for me To walk in wisdom from God. Verse 13 of James 3. Let's read this. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. One of the first questions that... Someone will ask if you give a recommendation. How can I trust this person? Or at least it's one of the first thoughts we may have. You see, it's not hard for us to think up many circumstances of our own life where we sought to put our trust in someone or something and that thing let us down, right? That we become prone, especially in this day, of crazy misinformation to not trust anything we hear or say or anything we hear or is said to us. Interestingly enough, when James encounters this specific focus only with wisdom as the aim, he says, who is wise in understanding among you? It's really asking this question, how can I tell if someone is wise? And it gives a very intentional answer to this question by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. In other words, how can I tell if someone is wise? Look at what they do. Look at who they are. The one who is truly wise doesn't just say wise things. They live them out you could go a step further that the one who is wise in a biblical sense does those things not to be seen by others as wise, but in the meekness of wisdom, the meekness of wisdom. Now, if you were to turn back to James one twenty one. You see this emphasis of meekness again, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, everyone say meekness, receive with meekness the implanted word of God or the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. There should be this attitude and this mindset of humility that flows out of meekness as I approach these Truths. Colossians 3 verse 12, I'm going to just read this for you, where it's, it gives this command, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So, this characteristic of meekness, should be on the forefront of us saying, this is someone who is wise and understanding. Interestingly enough, maybe not so interesting, is the fact that in our day and age, it's often by what someone says or writes that we determine whether or not they are wise. It's one of the reasons that we should be very accountable to people in our circles. You see, I could get up here every week and tell you all the right things from God's word and be absolutely void of them in my own life. It's a danger that every single one of us faces. And we could sit here and think of many people who fall and prey to that trap. And so how is it that we... Determine if someone is wise. Look at what they do. Look at what goes on behind the scenes. If someone is married, you want to determine how wise they are. Ask their spouse. Because what often takes place in the home is who people really are. Look at what they do. Now, this should bring about a, a checkpoint in our lives, right? That we stop and we consider, what do I do? What does what I do say about where my wisdom comes from? And now we're going to see this shift to expound upon two different types of wisdom that it's very pertinent that we understand the difference between the two. Verse 14, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not, everyone say not, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not The wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual and demonic. Not super hard to understand what wisdom of the world looks like. Wisdom of the world looks like the world. Wisdom of the world looks like the rest of the world. And it doesn't take us long to stop and look at this and go jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts if we were to step back and evaluate the most common reason for the wrongs and injustices that we see across our culture, you could trace them back to jealousy and selfish ambition. I really believe that to be true. That it's about me. It's all about me and what I want. What I care about. And it's your job to make me happy. And if you don't make me happy, then you don't deserve a place in my life. Jealousy and selfish ambition. And if I'm motivated by that. Here's the thing. If I'm motivated by jealousy and selfish ambition. What James says here is don't boast as if you were wise according to God's word. This is not wisdom that comes down from above. And then the description of that. It is earthly, unspiritual and demonic. When was the last time that we stopped to consider that? That wisdom motivated by jealousy and selfish ambition is of our enemy, the devil. It's demonic in nature. This type of wisdom, look at verse 16, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist. We shouldn't be surprised. So there will be disorder and every vile practice. What is the fruit of jealousy and selfish ambition? Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. What is its fruit? Its fruit is disorder and every vile practice. What should we expect if we live our lives and make decisions as the world does? We should expect... Disorder and every vile practice. But family, there's more. Praise God, there's more. Because if that's where we ended, it would be a very bleak end to our Sunday morning. But, praise God for this, but. The wisdom from above is first pure. Then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Here's the simple reality. The wisdom of the world looks like the world. The wisdom from above looks different. Everyone say different. Now, I don't know about you, but it's not always fun To be different. And in fact, many of us would probably seek to avoid the being different part. There's a handful of people I know that just thrive on being different. And they love it. I'm not one of those people. I, by nature, in my flesh, am a people pleaser. I struggle with that. I have to repeat Galatians 1 to myself all the time. Am I a servant of man or a servant of Christ? If I'm a servant of man, I am no longer a servant of Christ. Because my tendency is to just do whatever I have to do to make people happy. And it really is. That's, and, and when I know there's a biblical truth, the Spirit of God is like, this is certain. This is certain. And my inner self is screaming, No! People will be unhappy! <laughs> And I wrestle with this tension. Here's the thing. When Jesus met Nicodemus in the night and Nicodemus asked him about salvation. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. What was Jesus saying? Jesus is saying who you are. Has to die. So that who God has called you to be in Christ can come alive. There has to be a difference. There has to be. And here's what I can promise you. When we step into the difference and we start being different from the world, the world is going to not like it. When I make decisions that the world looks at and goes, what are you doing? We should not expect the world to understand. But rather, as Peter wrote, we should always Be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. And my hope, family, my hope is in nothing of this world. It can't be. It doesn't mean I don't struggle with putting my hope in those things, but it can't be in those things because as Jesus said, those things moth and rust will destroy and thieves will break it and steal. So store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where those things don't happen. As Colossians would say, fix your eyes on the things above, not the things on earth. And so we see all these examples. Purity. Wisdom from above is pure in nature. Uh, As I met with our leadership cohort this last week, one of the illustrations we talked about was the illustration of a mirror. If I stood up here with a mirror and I, I shined it around, what would happen? It's going to... Do what? Reflect, right? And it might blind you if I reflected it into your face. And you would be upset with me. Here's the thing. Every one of us reflects something. Every one of us is a mirror reflecting something. The question is, which direction is your mirror facing? Which direction is your mirror facing if my mirror is focused around the injustices that have been done to me and my family past and the hardship that I faced. And you know what? My past has made me who I am. No, your past has contributed to who you are today, but it does not get to define who you will be tomorrow. So in the scope of that, I have to ask the question, when do I stop and readjust the mirror? That's what Colossians 3 is talking about. Fix your eyes on the things above, not the things on earth. If my mirror is focused on the things on earth, I should expect to reflect the things of the world. If my mirror is directed to the things above, then guess what is reflected? As Jesus taught, you don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl, but you set it on a lampstand that everyone might see it. It's pure in motive. My aim, it should be to reflect the purity and holiness of God. And it is either that or, or I am seeking to reflect my own flesh and the world around me. Peaceable. Romans twelve eighteen, church family says, you write this down, this is a great one to memorize. It simply says, as far as it depends on you, Live what? Live at peace with all men. Biblically, if someone has wronged you, you are called to go to them. They are not called to come to you. Now, there's a separate expectation here, right? And I'll get to that in a minute. So often, though, we think we are being wise by just avoiding brothers and sisters who have hurt us. But if they are a fellow Christ follower, I am called to tell them their fault. Matthew 18. In the same way, here's where the other way goes around. If I realize I have wronged someone... I am called to go be reconciled to them before I come and worship. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Where it says, if you go to offer your gift and there remember that your brother has something against you, go first and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Do that first. But here's the thing. Romans 12 commands us that as far as it depends on you, that means it's our responsibility to do everything we can to be at peace with the people around us. That does not mean you will always be at peace with everyone around you. And some of you have lived that. You have done and tried and effort has been put forth and it is continually not good. And in that case, I would say boundaries are healthy as long as they don't end up being where your mirror is focused. Gentle, yielding, kind, courteous would be another way of describing that. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love does not insist on its own way. Open to reason. Here's a truth for you. You are entitled to your opinion, but you are not God. Okay? We have freedom of speech in this country, but you are slaves to the king of kings if you are in Christ. And we need to keep that in mind. We would be wise to formulate our wisdom from what God has said, not what we think. Full of mercy and good fruits. Impartial. That one should be familiar as we saw in James 2. And sincere. Family, we need to be sincere in this. Don't just check the boxes because you think other people want you to. Be genuine. Authenticity starts when we are sincere about where we are and where we need to be. That's what's wise. But so often we are so concerned with our own agenda getting shoved to the front page that we fail to act in ways that are biblically wise and full of truth. Selfish ambition and bitter jealousy, right? There's a final illustration in verse 18 that we see. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. A harvest of righteousness is only going to grow in the right conditions. Sown in peace. With that at the heart and motivation. Not selfish ambition and bitter jealousy. And what is sown in earthly wisdom will not produce righteousness. If we go back to James where he says, Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. For man's anger does not, what? It does not produce the righteousness of God. Why? Because man's anger is rooted in the things of the earth. It's rooted in my eyes being fixed here rather than vertically. So the final question in all of this as we look at this illustration, if I am seeking to harvest the righteousness of God to exude from my life and it's to be sown in peace and I see this contrast between earthly wisdom and spiritual wisdom, what do I do now? What do I do? Where do I begin? So I want to challenge each one of you with something. I want to challenge you to take a written inventory of you. This week. A very practical thing. And here's the cool thing. If you're, if you're someone who is not much of a writer, or you don't like to write, pull out your phone and put, pull out your notes app and do it in that. Or, uh, get on a laptop or a computer and type this out. And here's what I want you to take inventory of. Three, three categories. My thoughts, my attitude, and my actions. My thoughts, my attitude, and my actions. Now this is going to take some work. Because what I'm asking you to do is to pause at multiple times throughout your day and do an inventory of that portion of your day. Then, here's the second part. So you have this inventory and you may be looking at that inventory and going, yikes. I don't think I really like Pastor Matt having me do an inventory like this. I understand. But here's here's why. Okay, here's why I want you to do this. Then I want you to compare your thought inventory, your attitude inventory, your action inventory with this description in James chapter three. And we can ask these questions. Are these thoughts, fill in the blank, are these thoughts pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere? And make a note next to them. Then move on. Is my attitude one of purity, of seeking peace, of gentleness? You get the. You get the idea, are my actions motivated by fill in the blank, step by step, go through. And then at the end, take some time and just pray that the Lord would make you someone wise, not as the world would see wise, but above Wisdom from above, church family, is most visibly seen in the person of Jesus when it comes to an earthly example. So take the appropriate action to be more like Him. When you do that inventory, cross out any, any appropriate thoughts and write in the one that is wise. Confess your poor attitude to your spouse or close friend and ask them to keep you accountable. Reconcile relationships that you have stubbornly been holding on to. Confess your sin. Strive to be who God has called you to be. Regardless of what other people are doing, be different. And look to Jesus as the example we should follow in Every season of life that we go through. Amen. I'm going to have the worship team come up. And we're going to close with a familiar hymn. That's just a prayer. And I hope that you'll sing it as a prayer. Where when we look at this. And we consider. The weightiness of walking in wisdom. We need to ask the Lord to be my vision. Be my wisdom. Be the one that I. Look to and strive to follow after. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you and we recognize the great challenge to walk not in earthly wisdom, but wisdom from above, and how often we fail in this way, and Lord, we cling to the hope of 1 John 1, that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. Lord, may we, in humility and meekness, be attuned to your Spirit's prompting where we need to make adjustments in our life. Lord, may you help us to know and see who are those people that we need to be accountable to and who are those people that we need to pull close and seek to lovingly call into accountability. Father, guide us according to your purposes that we would be the church you've called us to be in every season of life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.